When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the best damn movie related show here on the internet. This is yours as always for movie lovers tonight, John DeGorio. This is going to be another Riding with John episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride wherever you may be going. So let's go on ahead and talk about a couple of things here. First off, I want to talk about a couple of my TV shows for the best of 2019 that I actually strongly recommend. Number one, it would be Castle Rock. Now, if you're into Stephen King-based movies or anything like that, you're going to love Castle Rock. Now, I'll have to own up to the fact that I skip season one because there's just so much stuff in season one to actually digest to the point where I couldn't really keep up with it. And it did, I didn't really care for season one that much. I watched maybe about four or five episodes and I ended up getting myself out of there. And the best thing about that show is it's an anthology series, which means that you can actually skip Castle Rock Season 1 and watch Season 2 without having to worry about if you missed anything from Season 1. And with Season 2, they, like I mentioned before, they actually decided to go ahead and do a Misery kind of thing to it where you actually have Annie from Misery. But then they also included a couple of other things too. They actually included Pet Cemetery. They also did Sam's Lot. And I'm loving what they're doing with this anthology series for Castle Rock. And the stuff that they're doing with Annie, I'm liking the fact, too, that it's not just based off of Annie. Otherwise, the show just goes stale. And you're wondering with it, with her daughter about how did that come to be. And then they go into the origins of Annie, the background where she came from, the husband, and only that. But you also deal with her father, her mother, the kind of relationship between her father that she actually had. And then also, too, stuff that winded up happening in her childhood that was really dark. And then, of course, you wind up finding out later on in the series about who her daughter really is or if that's even her daughter. And there's so much there to actually digest that you can actually keep up with the show. Now, there is a key element in the show that they actually use towards season one. But if you already know Bell Skarsgård's in season one, it's not going to be that much of a surprise to you that he's actually in season two just for a glimpse, or so it seems that it's just a glimpse. I'm not sure if they're going to have him in there for season two or not, but I know in season one he plays a big part in it. But in season two, there's a small little thing that they actually do that's kind of like an homage to season one. But I'm not sure if it's actually going to lead into anything for the rest of the season. But we're just going to have to wait and see. But I'm not going to get into ter- uh, I'm not going to get into a whole entire spoilers territory with it. But that's basically where you're going to be camping out on with this whole entire thing because you're dealing with Annie, but at the same time you're dealing with Pet Cemetery and Salem's Lot, 
and stuff that's going on in this Castle Rock town. The best thing about it is it even has Tim Robbins from Shawshank Redemption in this show, too. And he has a big hand on what's going on with certain things that's going on in the Castle Rock community. And I love the fact that it's not like him playing the same character from Shawshank Redemption. He's just playing a different character and everything, and they're doing it that way. I love that they're doing that. So, if you're into Castle Rock, if you're into Stephen King-based movies and adaptions and stuff like that, you're going to love what they're doing with Castle Rock Season 2. Another thing I want to mention, too, is I'm not a fan of spinoff shows, but when you look at Cobra Kai and everything... It's a really good show. I mean, at first I wasn't sure if this wasn't something that I was going to dig or anything like that. I thought it was going to be one of those throwaway shows and that they were going to do one thing because they thought it was going to be fun to, uh, to do one season. But no, they're doing another season, which will be season three. But I watched season one. I watched season two back to back because I was able to get a month free of YouTube pre- Premium. And I have to say, the show is really good. It has that Karate Kid flavor to it. You got Johnny, who's the bully. And things are not working out for Johnny at all in the first season at all. He's just a maintenance handyman type of person. And he's also a drunkard. He's kind of, if you think about it, he's like the sensei of what Cobra Kai was. Where he just winds up becoming a drunkard and becoming his own worst enemy of the person that he couldn't stand and Cobra Kai, and he also was the type of person that also looked up to his sensei a lot, but he's also following the trail of what the leader of Cobra Kai is, and that's actually something pretty neat that they actually showed in the show itself, and then not only that, but, you know, it shows where he decides that he's going to open up Cobra Kai, and then, of course, you also have Daniel Caruso in this movie, in this TV series as well. And I just have to say, things are going well for Daniel compared to what Johnny is going through. It's kind of like when you see your high school bully and everything where it's not working out for the bully, which is not a surprise. And you have this hero that rose from the ashes, from being bullied, from being who he is, the person who he is and everything. And of course, being the champion of a Miyagi Dojo and everything during the Karate Kid. And of course, he winds up being the person that he always became to be, which is a very successful person compared to what uh, Johnny is. As a matter of fact, Daniel's actually a car salesman who, well, he actually owns his own car dealership and for every single time you buy a car you get a bonsai tree, which is actually a perfect homage to Mr. Miyagi. And I love that aspect that even though he's not there, there's actually a piece of Mr. Miyagi in this show that's really heartwarming to actually see in the way they actually do it and I love Cobra Kai I love what they're doing what they did with the first two seasons and I love the fact that they're showing consequences behind every action and not only that but it's not just dealing with Daniel and Johnny it's dealing with Johnny and his son and Johnny's never been there for his son or anything he doesn't and not only that but even his son doesn't have a mother that he can actually talk to or anything like that because she's always out and about, always dating, doing different things. And then you have Daniel, who's rich, who has his life together and things like that too, and is dealing with his kids. His son's into more electronics than anything. Her, his daughter is more like Daniel and everything too. And what I mean by that is 
she's into the whole karate scene versus where her son, where his son is, not even invested into the whole whole entire karate scene. So I love how they actually have it to where, okay, you have the son that's not into any of that, but then you have the daughter that is, and I love the that fact because it shows the differences between brother and sister and of course you know just because you come from a father that's actually a karate champion and everything else doesn't mean that you actually have to follow in your father's footsteps or anything and I love that aspect to it and you know of course Daniel winds up training Johnny's kid without knowing that was Johnny's son that had anything to do with it and it causes a fire in in Johnny to go against Daniel even more and you can tell that feud is still there from back and forth and the smack talk against each other is really good as well and then in the second season and stuff like that it deals with everything that went on with the first season which I'm not going to go into spoilers territory on those things but I love the fact that it shows consequences behind every action and every every uh, consequence has a reaction to it and I love that whole entire aspect and, you know, it deals with Johnny and him actually almost getting along. And then it deals with the original sensei from the Cobra Kai wanting to take over Johnny's position as the main sensei. And, you know, Johnny's dealing with a lot. So is Daniel and everything, too. And I love the back and forth between them as well. So in this next season, I'm wondering if we're going to go and see Terry Silver, which is actually in the third Karate Kid movie. I would love to see Terry Silver back as an assistant sensei to the original dojo master of the Cobra Kai dojo. I would love to see them actually mash up pretty well. I would like to actually see them do something with Terry Silver. I'm hoping that's what they do. But I'm not going to go into ter- um, into spoiler territory with season one or two but if you haven't seen cobra kai season two the ending of it is just gut dropping it's jaw dropping it's everything that you want in a feud between two dojos that can't get along at all because of their past history and i love that aspect to it so if you haven't checked out cobra kai check out cobra kai on youtube premium i know that they might actually have a couple of free episodes they can actually check out they actually give you a month free what I would recommend doing is this. Since season three is almost done wrapping, I believe, and we're going to probably get that in during the summertime, I would recommend that you guys go on ahead and get the a month free of YouTube Premium, unless they're going to do the whole entire season of the whole entire thing where you actually get to watch both seasons for free and then you have to sign up for YouTube Premium. I don't know if they're doing that or anything, but I know at one time they were actually letting you binge watch both seasons for free. So check it out. Let me know what you guys think about that show. Another show that I actually enjoy, of course, is Stranger Things. I thought that Stranger Stranger Things Season 3 was better than Season 2 because they had a lot more stuff that Eleven was doing. Then, of course, on the fact, too, that you can actually relate to the characters in a certain way because you have... Dustin who comes back from camp and it seems like everybody just forgets about him and everything else and that's also how life is where you have your group of friends that you actually were friends with since you were little and they're all busy doing their own thing and it just shows a division when you get older that the friends that you once had you might not have later on in life and I like that aspect to it and then 
too, you have Will, who thinks that they're just going to be in the basement forever and forget about girls. And Will is still wanting to play D&D, just hang out in the basement, not grow up, not do anything. And you have Lucas, who has his girlfriend. You have, you also have the uh, person that's dating Eleven, which I forgot the main character, that character's name for the character or whatever. But I love that part where everybody's in relationships all but Will himself. And, you know, he just wants to geek out. He just wants to have his friends. And he's also being kind of a selfish little brat that I can't really stand on the show. But <laughs> I just don't like his character during the third season because of how whiny he is. But I can actually understand how he is because in a way I can kind of relate to him in a certain sense. But in a certain sense, he's also kind of a whiny little brat. I'm just going to put it like that. But then you also have where you have the other kid that from season two that moved into the town with his sister who is also dating Lucas, uh, where the sister's dating Lucas. And I really can't stand how he is. And then, of course, the, you know, he winds up being a host for this uh, for this alien being and everything for a semio pretty much. And... He's taking certain people down into this place to be able to let this beast do its thing and demolishing the town and also to letting the host take over the um, Seminios take over the bodies of these people. So, I mean, there's that little bit of creepiness feel to it and everything. Of course, filming has begun on it, but it's going to wrap up in 20. Uh, matter of fact, the release date is for 2020. I want to say probably around December of 2020 is when it's going to be released. I like the fact that we're going to get probably a Christmas type of episode from Stranger Things because before we got like a Halloween when uh, during Halloween, season two took place and season three, it actually took place place in July and then in the first season it took place I want to say probably around around December but not actually a Christmas type of feel to it to where it was like a Christmas theme but it ended in Christmas so that's how I'm looking at season one but season three is really good if you haven't seen season one or two I recommend that you check out both of those season two was the weakest of the whole entire season of Stranger Things in my opinion because there was not a lot that they made Eleven do. Because I feel like that they could have done a lot more with Eleven's character than what they did. But they did a lot better job with Eleven's character and showing the consequences of what happens when she uses her powers over a period of time. I love that. I love the whole entire writing for this season. I felt like it was very good, very well put together. It didn't really feel rushed at all. The only thing I didn't like was the Terminator type of character that they actually have in this season. But that's just a minor thing. And then you also have uh, Steve, which is actually one of my favorite characters in Stranger Things. At first, I thought he was a douchebag in the first season. And then in the second season, they kind of make him go towards being a, a pretty decent human being for the most part. And then, of course, you know, as time goes on in the season three, you wind up rooting for him. So if you haven't seen Stranger Things at all, I recommend that show. I'm also going to put on the list because this show kind of snuck up on me. And that reason being was because I didn't know it was going to be interesting or not. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to try this out. It was during October. 
and it was called Daybreak. And I'm going to be honest with you, Daybreak was actually a lot of fun, despite the cheesiness that you actually feel from the show itself. The dialogue is very cringeworthy when you first watch it or whatever. But what this show is about is a guy named Josh. Josh is looking for his girlfriend during this apocalypse. And the kids are all in charge. The parents are zombies. But they here's the thing. They're not like one of those slow-moving, walking dead type of zombies where they can't function, where they don't have any dialogue or anything like that. The The last words, let's say, for instance, they said, oh, Macy's is half off today. And then, bam, you get zapped and you wind up becoming a zombie. The last thing that you remembered in your head is going to be what flows out of your mouth. So you're going to be zombified, but your words are going to be, oh, Macy's has a half-off price sale today and that's going to be your dialogue your motive that's going to be the whole the only thing that you are able to say in your function and then of course you also have a couple of other things that happen in the show too that i really like you have wesley who was actually the bully that bullied josh you also have him trying to redeem himself and becoming like a Sumerite in this apocalypse. And he's also a geek too. And that's what I liked about his character was the fact that he's so real. And also too, he's black, he's gay, and he's also a geek. Which also too is the fact that this made me open my eyes a lot more. Was the fact that you have a black, gay, geek kind of character. And his race actually looks down on him for being a geek, for being gay. It makes it ten times harder for him to actually be a kid and be able to function because people are actually looking down on him because of who he is. And I never realized that. I never knew that that existed until I saw the show of what it was like to actually be a geek and also be black and also trying to fit into the way of the world is and everything and be looked down on so i thought that was a really neat little interesting fact that i didn't even know that even existed because of the fact that i didn't know anything about that so i thought that was pretty cool down how, how you can actually relate to that kind of character then also too whenever josh is also speaking in uh breaking the third wall kind of like what deadpool does and Ferris bueller I really love that. The first thing I saw was, this is like a Furious Bueller kind of feeling to it. And next thing I know it, I see Matthew Broderick in this show as the principal. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. When you see flashbacks of what Josh is talking about in this show, pay close attention to each flashback because it actually does matter that you actually pay attention to those flashbacks because those flashbacks is actually how Josh bases his strategy on to go against certain people and actually fool certain people. So I actually like that aspect as a strategy because I was actually not paying attention to certain aspects of that show during that time when he was doing the flashbacks. But man, the flashbacks in itself is really good. I really love that aspect. And then, of course, you also have... You know, if you've been by a zombie, you think that you become affected by them, by it. But I'm not going to give any spoilers on what happens if you get bitten by a zombie, which they don't really call them a zombie. I forgot what they call them. But the show is fantastic. It's a perfectly good original type of show. Well, not movie, but it's a show. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's one of the most fun, most fun things that I watched in a really long time, aside from... Raising Dion, which I'm going to get into that in a few minutes, but 
if you're looking for a good, fun zombie apocalypse kind of show that's actually geared towards teenagers trying to survive in this type of world, it's actually a good show. And then you also have this girl named Angelica, who's also a pyromaniac, who's actually 10 or 11 years old. And she's that that character has a lot of layers to her characters, like Wesley has a lot of layers to his character. And then you also have, of course, Josh, who also is dealing with his own stuff, his own mistakes that he's done before the zombie apocalypse, before the apocalypse. And I'm just going to be honest, Daybreak was actually a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch and see if Josh could actually go and find his girlfriend. And then the only teacher, get this, like I told you before, where adults don't have the full function to talk, there's this teacher that's there and she actually has her memories. She actually has her feelings still. She has her, um, basically she has all her functions and everything. And it took her a while to actually get to that point where you can see her character evolving to where she actually has her memories and everything else. So if you're looking for a good zombie apocalypse type of feel where it's geared towards teenagers and as well as the fact that if you, there's actually some political stuff in there too, if you think about it. But if you ignore the political aspects of the show and enjoy it just as a zombie apocalypse kind of show, you're going to enjoy Daybreak. Because I strongly recommend that. Now, my next sh- thing I'm going to talk about is Raising Dion. Raising Dion's only like six or maybe eight episodes. And I'm going to tell you, this show is fantastic. And it's about this mother who's uh, trying to raise her son alone. She's a single mother. Michael B. Jordan's in this show. And I'm going to tell you this. Raising Dion was a lot of fun to watch. And I'll tell you why. Picture this, you're a single mother, you're trying to raise your son alone because your husband died, and it's hard to raise a son on on your own. And then you find out your son has superpowers, and now you're trying to teach your son how not to use his powers outside of the house and also try and control his powers when he doesn't know how to control his powers. You also have John Ritter's son in this movie that looks like a splitting image of what John Ritter is. And he's trying to coach him through through this whole entire thing as well because he didn't believe at first that he even had powers or anything like that. And then, of course, there's also this big, huge villain that comes into play too that actually killed his father and now there's that mystery element of why he killed his by this thing killed his father how he got his powers what happened and why why dion has the the powers has these powers so if you're into uh kind of like a horror element type of feel to it with a little bit of sci-fi a little bit of adventure a little bit of a comic book kind of feel that has originality behind it i strongly recommend raising dion the the whole entire dialogue flows really well the chemistry with the characters are real you can actually fall in love with the show and i cannot give raising dion enough credit because this show is very relatable to single parents that's trying to raise their kids and also try i'm not going to say because they have superpowers or anything like that but it's the whole fact that you know you have characters that you can actually relate to and can build with as you watch these characters grow and develop and each episode is very different and the characters are growing each time when you watch a certain episode which is good because you want the characters to be able to grow let them be their own thing so if you want a good show if you want a good show with like a lot of chemistry and stuff like that 
go on ahead and check out Raising Dion. I think you guys are going to be really thrilled with that show. Because I know I was. As a comic book sweaty, I was, I was big into Raising Dion. I was watching that thing every single night, binge watching it and stuff like that. So check out Raising Dion. And now I'm going to talk about one last show, and it's on Netflix. It's actually a Netflix original show, and that show is Glow. And Glow takes place in the 1980s with women wrestling and stuff like that. And there's this woman uh, that's actually just trying to be a trying to be an actress who sleeps with her best friend, who's an actress. Her sleeps with her best friend's husband and next thing you know it she winds up being part of glow when she wasn't even meaning to be in this whole entire wrestling thing but then they wind up being uh then they wind up wrestling against each other you have russia and miss america pretty much battling against each other and you also have this whole entire dialogue kind of like a wwe kind of style where you have writers telling these wrestlers on how they should go ahead and do certain things and stuff like that. And it goes to show you how much of an impact that wrestling actually has on your body. Even though, you know, people say it's fake or stuff like that. It's all tele- uh, choreographed. There are still stuff that actually happens on wrestling that can actually affect your body. There's accidents that can happen while wrestling. And it goes, and not only that, but it takes a lot of energy, a lot of time to actually do the stuff that these wrestlers go through. And then, of course, writing the scripts for these characters are, is, is a very hard thing, too, to do as well. Because you're trying to make the best script for the characters to where they can actually have good character flow between good and evil. And I have to say, the show is very good. It's very relatable, too. If you're looking for a good show to watch that takes place in the 1980s. And also, too, if you're looking for... Um, a good type of wrestling show and stuff like that that's dealing with acting and how your how the WE kind of goes with that flow where where you're trying to write dialogue for certain characters and try and develop those characters. You're gonna like this show if you're a wrestling fan. And I'm gonna be honest with you. This show was something that I was not very interested in, in to begin with, and there was nothing to watch because I just got done watching Stranger Things season three. I'm thinking to myself, what is there to watch? I'm like, well, I heard Glow was good. And plus, the Schmodown, which is actually a movie trivia show that's actually based around wrestling stuff. Because they even have uh, wrestling belts and stuff like that. But they don't wrestle. They just do trivia questions and everything. And then they, of course, have belts for like inner geekdom, tag team belts and stuff like that. And they have these, uh, the actresses who played on glow and i'm like well i'll give glow a shot next thing you know what i was glued in to watching the first two seasons of glow and i loved it i fell in love with the characters i fell in love with even the slime ball director of um of glow of the person who's making uh the glow wrestling thing i really enjoyed this show and everything with a lot of heart a lot of passion for what these women did during the time of the 1980s. It's based off true events and everything. If you don't believe me, check it out on YouTube and stuff like that. But it was really, this show is really good. 
So, if you're looking for a good show to start off with for two seasons, it's really good. Season three is about to drop pretty soon, I believe. So, I mean, if you're looking for a good show, check out Glow. Because Glow is is going to be only having only four, epi- uh, four seasons, I believe. Uh, I have to go on ahead and do some more digging on that. But, but I really enjoyed... Okay, so... I just did a fact check, fact check on it. So it's only going to be three seasons long, which is okay, because you can only do so much with this show until it becomes repetitive. As a matter of fact, that's what Kurt Sutter said was the fact that he never planned on making more than five seasons or six seasons of Sons of Anarchy. It's just that the fans loved it enough to where he can actually draw out what he wanted to do. But anything past three seasons or four seasons becomes repetitive. And I actually agree with him on that because you don't want to have a show that's going to be burnt out and everything by doing repetitive stuff. So I feel like the stuff that they're doing with this season is really good. And then once you get into season three, once they finish that off and everything, that's going to be the end of Glow. And I'm okay with the fact that they're only doing three seasons of Glow because, like I said, I don't want it to be burnt out by four or five seasons. So... Another thing, too, is I want to mention, I do have non-spoiler reviews, full reviews for Season 1 and 2 of GLOW, and even Season, uh, yeah, Season 1 and 2 of GLOW. I also have non-spoiler reviews that I go full in detail with Cobra Kai as well in the podcast. I also have Raising Dion non-spoiler reviews, Daybreak non-spoiler review. I have a bunch of reviews that I've done. It's just that I want to give you a little bit of a synopsis of what each show is about and why I recommended this sh- these shows to you. So that's why I did the best TV shows of 2019 in no chronological order. I hope that you guys enjoyed this segment. I hope that you guys enjoyed me talking about, about this. And another thing too is I want to talk about one last thing. It's a little bit of movie news that I wanted to get into. And it was the fact that they were thinking about putting Michael B. Jordan as Superman. Now, if you've followed me for long enough, you know that I have no qualms with putting in someone of color or different race or anything like that, as long as they don't change the origin story to a certain character. And for me, I love Michael B. Jordan. I love Michael B. Jordan as Creed. I liked him even whenever he played in Black Panther as Killmonger. I love Michael B. Jordan as an actor. But... My thing is, I've always pictured him as Jon Stewart for Green Lantern. I think he would be a good choice as Green Lantern versus him as Superman. But if they would have went on him and say, hey, look, we're casting Michael B. Jordan tomorrow as Superman, I'll be totally fine with it. And I get some people, it might actually take a while for them to actually say, well, he's supposed to be white. But I'm still going to take a chance on it anyways, even though it's something different. Because we haven't seen that before, where we actually have someone of a different race playing Superman. I'm perfectly fine with those kind of people where they're like, okay... This is where you're giving us. I'll give this a chance. It may be a little bit different than what I'm used to because I'm not used to seeing a black Superman, but I'll give it a chance. But then there's also this other thing, this other camp where they're like, how dare you change the race? This thing has been going on for 80 or 90 years. I don't want them touching my Superman. He's supposed to be white. My thought process is is this. Shut up. 
you know what? God forbid we should have something different. And not only that, but it's a fictionalized freaking character. It's not like this is going to be affecting your job or anything like that later on or anything like that. If you don't want to see Michael B. Jordan or anybody else of a different color, don't go see the stupid movie. How about that? Because no one complained, like I said before, with the whole thing on my last episode. No one once complained that Nick Fury is now black when he was supposed to be white. Now all of a sudden, there's issues with different races playing characters that are supposed to be white. Who gives a crap? Go out, watch the movie for what it is, and hopefully you might actually enjoy it and everything. Enjoy it from a different perspective instead of being closed-minded. But anyways, that's how I'm perceiving it. That's how I view it and everything. Like I said, I have no qualms with the fact that Michael B. Jordan is going to be Superman. I just always pictured him as a Green Lantern, as always, as Jon Stewart. Although I wouldn't mind Edris Alba being Jon Stewart or anything like that because I think Edris Alba is a great actor. I think he has the build for Green Lantern. But I'm okay with Michael B. Jordan as well. So, I mean, I don't care uh, who plays Green Lantern because... The characters, because of the fact that anybody, I feel like, could play a certain character and everything. Unless it's a nonfiction character. If it's a nonfiction character and that person's supposed to be black, let that person be black. Don't cast them as a white person. Whoever thought that Julia Roberts would be a good choice for Harriet Tubman, I don't know. But anyways, that's going to do it for me for today. I hope that you guys actually enjoyed this episode. Tell me what you guys think. I'm actually going to have a description in the link to where you can actually leave me a voicemail message. Also, too, I want you guys to go on ahead, share this episode with everybody else, and tell everybody else about Movie Lovers Unite's podcast. I want to give out a shout-out to my friend D. Murray from FTO Nerd Talk, who actually got me into podcasting. And I also want to do one last thing. I want to tell... One of my fans actually did this the other night where she asked me a question. She asked me, if I was to give an award out to a certain celebrity, who would it be? So I have a couple of celebrities in mind. Number one, it would be Rick Moranis because he hasn't played anything, but it would be an honorable reward award for him because of the fact that he took time off to be able to spend time with his kids because his wife passed away. Another person I would actually put on the list is Keanu Reeves because I love Keanu Reeves as an actor and the stuff that he's been doing. And also, too, he keeps to himself. He doesn't disturb anybody or anything like that. And plus, too, with his wife passing away, now he actually has somebody new because he's been single for God knows how long. And I'm just thrilled that he actually has somebody in his life now. And... I love Keanu Reeves as an actor. I think he's a very great guy. Those were the two people that's on my list of people that I would actually give award to for um, during the Academy Awards and stuff like that. So tell me what you guys think. Who would you give an actor or an actress award an award to? So anyways, tell me what you guys think. Share this with everybody else. Go on ahead. Subscribe to my podcast. And until next time. Bye-bye.